Support for this podcast comes from Blackline and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Kurt Schmidt, CFO of the San Carlos Apache Tribal Gaming Enterprise, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 241. a finance leader are you driving driving change your organization how are you driving change within your organization in this episode we speak to Teresa McLaughlin CFO of Calabrio in finance it's really easy to say no because you are mitigating risk and you are trying to you know have proper controls in place but what we need to do is first seek to understand what is somebody really trying to accomplish they may not be asking the question the way to understand that. So you have to seek first. You have to ask questions back to them to really understand what it is. And then we can present them a structure to be able to say yes. Listen to our complete interview with Teresa after these words from our sponsor. Many accounting and finance professionals are facing a sizable obstacle these days. In this age of data enlightenment, their financial close processes leave no time for data analysis. The very activity that opens the door to new opportunities and career advancement. Blackline has the answer. By automating, centralizing, and streamlining financial close operations, Blackline customer organizations are now ready for the data-centric world, allowing their finance and accounting professionals to open the door to new opportunities. To learn more, visit blackline.com forward slash CFO. Hello, we're speaking to Teresa McLaughlin, CFO of Calabrio. Am I pronouncing that correctly first, Teresa? I should have asked you that beforehand. You are. Calabrio is correct. It's a technology firm specializing in solutions that reside in the, the hot space of customer interaction and workforce management. Uh, Teresa, welcome. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, do you go by, Teresa, I was just looking at your LinkedIn profile and I noticed it has a, uh, is it a nickname or? It's actually my maiden name. I was just recently married, so I let people search for my maiden name also. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, best wishes. Uh, so I want to find out about Calabria. I'm actually, uh, we've been hearing a lot about customer interaction from CFOs, so I'm curious about this company's offerings and what it's up to. But first, we need to begin where we always do, which is finding out a little more about you and what were those career milestones that you feel prepared you for a finance leader role? So when I think about my history of, you know, growing up in finance, I really look at two different experiences that I think um, really prepared me for my role today um, at Calabria. And one of them is working through the dot-com. I was in technology when the dot-com came through and really focused on, you know, how do you right-size a business? How do you get back to, you know, really business fundamentals versus, you know, you will, if we build it, they will come type mentality of back in the dot-com era. So it really helped me get more grounded back in the fundamentals of business. You know, right-saving companies, renegotiating contracts, you know, again, focusing on the fundamentals. And then my next step was really in a high-growth, um, scalable space. So I was fortunate enough to 
um, be a part of an organization early on that was really growing about between 25 to 30% year over year and growing the bottom line as long as the top line. But really what we got to do there is build up the scalability to go forward. And so, you know, automating processes, building out information and communication tools, really, you know, partnering with sales and, and helping, you know, grow the business. So I was fortunate to, enough to be able to be a part of growth and be able to be a part of really fundamentally looking at, you know, bottom line and the key metrics. So back in the mid-90s, where were you before you, you, you uh, captured the CFO office there? You know, I spent a lot, you know, I started um, at a company, oh, wow, way back when, at a company called Professional Computer Services, which was, prior to that, was Dillon Technology Group and Circuit Professional Computer Services, which ended up Wismo. And so I started as an accounting manager up to the controller, up to the CFO within Wismo. Really allowed me a great opportunity to focus on, you know, the business, understanding the ins and outs of business, understanding what SaaS and software were understanding the technology and really getting embedded into the industry and that really helped you know project me into additional CFO roles within the technology and software sector. So I, I see that prior uh, to arriving at uh, Calabrio you actually uh, were six years in a CFO role. Yes. So you arrive at Calabrio you're pretty seasoned at this point in time. What is it that you want to achieve here? What is the job you want to create for yourself? You know, one of the big things I learned at Convey was really about, you know, bringing leadership and fostering um, other managers' leadership skills. So how do I bring that to the table? How do I help mentor and foster different people? How do I build a great finance team um, and make sure that we get great things happening there? And then the, I think the biggest part is um, within Collaborate was really projecting more of a business partnership with the finance team and the rest of the business leaders in the organization. And, you know, instead of being reactive, really helping everybody be proactive, strategic, sitting at the table with them, making great decisions, and really, you know, helping them analyze and be a, bit, a business partner. I think that was something that was missing within this um, organization. So, you know, I've been here nine months. We've made some great progress in that area. We are... Um, we have leadership meetings where we take all the second and first line managers together and build out KPIs, but we build out, um, we, we work together to help mentor their skills and foster where they want to go and what they want to be so we can continue to build the second line of leadership up. We have built in uh, great additional reporting processes and then uh, really sit down with business leaders on a regular basis to really talk about what's happening in their business so we can help them with different decisions and analytics that they need and, and really pull out more um, information and sort of data that, is, that we have in the organization. Can I ask, who owns the company today? Is it, is it backed by a, a venture are, or private yeah, equity? We are venture backed today. 
And was that funding uh, already uh, in place uh, upon your arrival? Or? It was. So um, Collaborate was spun out of a company called Stanlink back in 2007. And as part of that spin out, we brought on capital that was also um, capitalizing Stanlink. So the owners um, invested in both of the organizations. So you've taken each of these companies uh, that you have had a finance leadership role in, and they've matured over time, and the function, the finance function has had to mature over time. Just curious, where is this, you know, when you arrived, where is this finance function? Did you have certain key uh, positions that you needed to fill, or was it already in place and it was a question of uh, uh, other areas that you needed to develop? Our finance team... Uh, we have one person who has been here a year. Um, I've been here nine months, and everyone else, the other five to six people on the team, have been here about five months. So we really came in and built out a brand-new team. It was um, really it, – it took me a little bit of time to just really figure out what we needed, what skill sets do we have on the table right now, um, and then really bring in a team that I think can really catalyze us to continue to provide great service to our customers, which is our operations teams. In terms of when it comes to building your team, something you've done time and time again, um, would you have any insights as far as how you go about finding the right person? Uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, I look at two different things. One is, you know, everybody needs to have the fundamental skills of, um, you know, finance and accounting. But really, I look for a great cultural fit, someone that I personally want to work with, someone that I believe has a lot of um, – they have a lot of curiosity, and they and they have a lot of drive where they um, they want to learn and make change. I I believe that one of the great things that we as finance people can to help drive is change. And so I look for people who have either done that before or who in the interview process are asking a lot of great questions about those types of things. And then, you know, like you said, it's, it's a lot about cultural fit because there's a, there's a bunch that I can teach them, um, but, I, but it is more about making sure that they have that energy to want that. Right. I want to find out about uh, Calabria. What can you tell us about what, what Calabria is up to and what it brings to the market? Yeah, so Calabria is a software company, and you know we really work with our, our clients to help catalyze the growth through customer engagement. So what we're looking at is our, our technology you know, provides companies with a lot of data, uh, data-driven insights about really what is the voice of their customer and what, you know, it helps them um, really better serve their client because they are capturing through all kinds of different venues um, what really is the voice of their client. And so we're able to not only work with contact centers, but we're really able to help, you know, all the way up to the CEO, um, give really great insight and data for them to understand what their customers are looking for and what their customers are wanting from them. Is this a technology that uh, the finance leadership would leverage as well, or how does it work exactly? You know, so it's interesting. You know, I can see this technology working uh, for all different areas. When you, if you can actually capture 
the information that is coming from the client, the, if the client is has a customer service issue or if they're asking for additional um, products to be happening within, or additional features, I should say, to be happening within our product, if they are asking for credits or refunds or if they're asking for, you know, just all kinds of different things, we can capture that information and we can process it and um, and expose it to all the proper areas within the organization. So it is a great communication tool. It's a great way for people to really understand what their customers are needing from them. I've used it. We've been able to, you know, record calls or have certain things happen within our contact center here, and then I'm able to actually hear the voice and understand what the client is asking. I always say, you know, seek first to um, understand before you before you answer questions, and so it, it really helps me to find out some information before I can, you know, find the right path to go down to correct any issues or or to help with um, pricing or all kinds of different things. So let me understand a little better here. When you say you hear the voice of the customer, are, are you speaking metaphorically and you're looking at data that reveals something to you or what exactly? So it's both, right? Um, so part of our software records the calls that a customer comes in. Our, and our software records, you know, where they go on websites or our software will record all kinds of different transactions that happen with the customer. And so by that, you can go in and you can really analyze what the customer is looking at. I can listen to the call. I can search on specific words. Um, like if I want to, if I want to go into the software and say I'm going to search on credit, you know, people who might want a credit for a product, and then I can come through and look at all the clients that have asked for different things. It's really about taking the data and the information right down all the way to the metadata and really functioning on that information. And then you can do you know, all kinds of analytics to be able to understand. We have, we've had customers um, really be able to look at their um, marketing activities. So they put marketing campaigns out there, and it was a great way for them to um, understand how well their marketing campaigns are doing by how many customers are calling in or 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 contacting your website or doing different things. And it's a great marketing or it's a great metric tool for those types of activities also. Let me ask, do you currently use a, the Net Promoter Score? We do. Just sort of as a, a benchmark? Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely one of our metrics that we look at. What are, what are some of the other uh, key metrics that you rely on to reveal how the, the company's performing? Yeah, so, you know, with our software, there's a couple different things that we look at, you know, for sure, client retention, you know. Um, the, the last thing that we ever want is shelfware. We don't want client to buy, anybody to buy our product and not, not use it. So really looking at client retention. Again, as we've talked about, net promoter score and customer advocacy and those types of things we look at. And then... You know, as with any fast-growing company, we're looking at revenue and um, pipeline coverage. We work with our sales team very closely and our sales reps to understand, you know, all of those types of things close, right? And as I mentioned earlier, we have um, in our leadership meetings, each manager we ask to pull together, you know, three different KPIs and bring those and really help communicate to the rest of the managers what the KPIs are going on in their sector of the business 
to really bring um, cross-communication about what's happening in the business. And I think that that's a really cool metric, too, is just making sure that everybody can um, communicate and uh, understand what's going on in other parts of the business. Uh, to step back in time, you were uh, lived through the dot-com craziness of the late 90s on your first tour of duty. And, and in fact, that company survived. It did. And, and uh, it made it through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not all did. Uh, you were there for, for some time. Um, so, But at the same time, I'm curious how you view your role today at Calabrio versus – the role of finance in that in the earlier firm, um, that dot com firm, if we want to characterize yeah. it that way. Um, but it seems like you're very much focused on the customer today, where you might not have been, and, and maybe you are. But but uh, I think it's at a whole other level. How would you, as it relates to the customer, compare your earlier role as a finance leader to this role? I would agree with you. There's a, I think that there's a big difference. And not only in, you know, where the roles of CFOs and finance leaders were back in in the 90s, but, you know, obviously, you know, how I've grown and matured um, a little bit. There's a, there's a few years under my belt since then, unfortunately. But, um, you know, so back in those days, I think, you know, I was probably more of the typical finance role where I really looked at historical things, analyzed historical, um, presented reports, those types of things. Um, And I was not as engaged with the customer side of the world. And one of the things that, you know, I really enjoy today is really understanding what is the customer looking for, how can I help them. I always tell um, my team one of my aha moments is really looking at, you know, how do we, in finance, it's really easy to say no because you are mitigating risk and you are, and you are trying to, you know, have proper controls in place. But what we need to do is to uh, first seek to understand what is somebody really trying to accomplish. They may not be asking the question the way to understand that. So you have to seek first. You have to ask questions back to them to really understand what it is. And then we can present them a structure to be able to say yes. And I think that's the way I look at my client centricity now. When I talk to clients, when I look at customers, when I work with salespeople, it's really about what is our overall objective here? How do we, how do we delight a customer and yet still make sure that Collabrio is financially successful, is meeting our metrics and doing everything else? And so always balancing that voice of a customer and what they really need is, is really fundamental to me today versus where I was um, back in, in my dot-com days. All right. So I want to ask, we always ask for an aha moment where somewhere along uh, your career you experienced uh, a moment of strategic insight that your role as a finance leader uh, provided you with. What would, anything come to mind, what would that be? You know, I think, you know, just what I talked about just a little bit ago in the sense that it, it really is trying to um, – not say no and really try to figure out how do I structure something to be able to say yes. Um, for me, you know, I had I had uh, our VP of sales and I, and I think, you know, it's always good to have some healthy tension between sales and finance, but, 
you know, our VP of sales and I were definitely not on the same page. And so, and this is, you know, back in the dot-com era, but, you know, it really was about looking at me stepping back and saying, how am I not being a great business partner right now? What do I need to do in order to be a better business partner? And sitting down with people and having those communications and really um, and, and really focusing on what it is to be able to say yes and how do we structure things differently. And so we did that. And, you know, in my next organization at Convey, my um, – my sales leaders and I were like, we were the best team. We were able to really close great deals, really figure out the best structures and really make sure things work well together. But I needed to be able to have the rough um, start uh, and, you know, have that aha of, of how I needed to change and how I needed to look at things differently in order to be successful. We talked to you a little bit about growing your own team, mm-hmm. but in terms of these companies, uh, it their workforce clearly has grown during your tenure, mm-hmm. as it must be at Calabria. What role is finance playing today as far as the organization's workforce and the priorities it has in growing that workforce? You know, I think there's a couple things that finance do, does in order to um, help grow the workforce. And one is, um, you know, very similar to what we're doing right now is really help try to get the Calabrio name out there so people understand who Calabrio is, why Calabrio is a great company, and really be, uh, you know, a, a great advocate for Calabrio. But, but people always want to work for successful companies. People want to work for a company that is growing and successful and has a lot of positive things going on. And I think, you know, for finance to be able to report on that, to reflect that, to be able to communicate that in a positive manner, and that may not be telling everybody what our revenue is or what our bottom line is, but really, you know, more um, really trying to communicate in another manner of, you know, how we're growing and how what percentage we've grown and get people really excited to help people, you know, continue to be excited. And that helps in our um, workplace and recruiting, and, and it helps ret- retention also. And I think that those are great things that finance can bring. I want to talk about uh, Minneapolis. You built your career, and again, I keep pointing this out to different uh, CFOs because I think it's interesting. You're not a corporate gypsy. You've been able to build your career, I believe, uh, in one region of the country, as have some other recent CFOs we've interviewed, um, one from uh, Washington, D.C. area that moved from one, uh, you know, startup and private equity back firm to the next and similar to uh, someone down in Florida. Um, in any case, t- tell us a little bit about your decision-making there. And had you ever thought of leaving, uh, and maybe you have, but the <laughs> Minneapolis-St. Paul area, or what, what's kept you there? You know, I think, I, yeah, I don't know how many Minnesotans you know, but for some odd reason, us Minnesotans, once we've been here, we stay here. And, you know, you you build, you know, your family or friend network, and, and it makes it, even if the winter is cold and we all complain about it, it's still great to be in, you know, the Midwest here. But what I have found um, for my career is, 
Minnesota, Minneapolis specifically, is a hub for great technology companies. I mean, we have great med tech companies. We have a lot of great SaaS companies, which is, you know, where my heart is. Um, there's a lot of, you know, great up-and-coming companies here, and I just find some really exciting opportunities. Um, I have looked at opportunities outside the region, but I keep finding great ones here. So, you know, I, I stay. By staying in one place, you've built relationships over time, and you're sort of a known brand in that specific uh, region of the country. Um, I, I would believe all this lends itself um, to, to being able to stay there. And, and anyway, No, it's that's just, a great uh, insight because that's exactly true. I mean, that's, you know, I have, uh, I have gone from different companies based upon people I know um, uh, instead of, you know, if you will, a cold call. Well, it, I think one of the untold stories here is that building a finance career is often there's an important regional networking piece of it, um, and I don't. We're discovering more and more CFOs are not really corporate gypsies, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, so we've now come to the mentoring round, and uh, we like to kick off with it with a hard one. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? I think it is uh, some of the changing roles. It is, it's really about partnership, partnering with the businesses, really getting uh, an opportunity to understand the business in depth instead of just doing debits and credits. It's really, you know, helping with the analytics and really understanding those different things. I think that's what excites my team. Um, and and then being able to say, hey, I was a part of that decision and I was, you know, I was a part of of, you know, looking and saying, oh, you know, 500 of our customers out of, you know, 500 are, are retaining or being retained, and this is the reason that they say, you know, and I think people get excited about, you know, finding all that information. And on the reverse side, finding information that says, hey, we have a problem here, and then being a part of the solution to make it better going forward. What do you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career? <laughs> so I have my a CEO that I worked with at one time um, said to me, which I think is hilarious, uh, when I, you know, have been very upset or something went wrong or something didn't go well and I was, you know, very frustrated with myself for something that, you know, didn't go well, um, he said to me, did anyone die today? And I'm like, no. And he goes, it's deficit and credits. We can fix it. We'll figure it out, you know. And he's right. You know, you have to take you have to take what you're doing seriously, but you can't take it so seriously that you're going to be stressed out all the time. You have to figure out that balance, and you have to figure out how to always, you know, figure out what you're learning from situations and move forward and not, not constantly beat yourself up. And I think that's something I wish somebody had told me a lot earlier in my career because I could have spent a lot less time beating myself up. What personal habit do you believe has contributed to your professional success? So I know people are going to find this funny, but putting a smile on my face every day. I think that you, when you walk down the halls with a smile on your face, when you engage people with a smile on your face, when you talk with a smile on your face, you um, portray 
you portray confidence, you portray that things are going great, you you make people feel comfortable. And I think that that's the biggest thing that um, that helps people in all situations, whether they're good or bad. I think that going at things with a positive attitude and saying that, yep, we can figure this out and we can make it happen is, is really contributed to some of my success. Is there a book you'd recommend to other aspiring finance leaders? You know, when I, whenever I hire new leaders within my organization, um, while these books may not be focused on finance, they really are focused on how do we make things great. And I always look at Jim Collins, and I have I have them read Good to Great and Great by Choice. Those are some of my books that I know they've been around for a while, but it is definitely books that I think give some great real examples um, of, of fundamentals that help everybody and really understanding you know how their leadership is going to help um, affect the rest of the organization. Finance thought leaders don't go anywhere. We're about to ask our finance leader guest for their business priorities over the next 12 months. But first, permit us 30 seconds to thank our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, our final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? You know, my basic fundamentals and, uh, you know, my priorities are going to be continuing to lead the organization, help with the strategic growth of the organization, and to partner with our operations teams. And uh, I think that if I can stick with those fundamentals, that everything else that comes up will be will be per- prepared and um, be able to handle anything. Teresa McLaughlin, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. At CFO Thought Leader, we wanted to give you, the listener, some added clout when it comes to selecting next season's CFO guests. We call it Listener's Choice. And in the months ahead, our Listener's Choice guests will enjoy some added box office clout as we advance the CFOs you most want to hear from into next season's CFO lineup. To learn more about CFO Thought Leader's Listener's Choice, visit us at cfothoughtleader.com or go ahead and email me at jack at cfothoughtleader.com. Hey, one last thing. It's no secret when we originated CFO Thought Leader, it was with iPhone users in mind. Android users, we have neglected you. And so to make amends, we just released a CFO Thought Leader mobile app just for you. It's now ready for download on Google Play and Amazon Android Markets. 
No matter what world you're part of, thank you for listening. <laughs>